Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Sitting around all day, smoking and watching TV? That's all our host has been good for for years. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I'm your host, Brian Levine, coming to you from my uh, recording studio built here at my home office just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. On this week's episode, i got a new segment for you in Pipe Parts. It's uh, drinking and smoking, and uh, nobody better to do that with than uh, Kevin Godby. So we'll be talking... Uh, drinks and uh, you know pairing up drinks and pairing up tobaccos. My guest is uh, Perry Jensen of the McBaron Tobacco Company. This is the tobacco portion of uh, catching up with Pear. You remember a couple weeks back we had him on to talk about uh, the history of the George Jensen Pipe Factory. Well, this time we talked tobacco, and I will say that we recorded this. Um, almost uh well just over a month ago and some of the information in it is going to be outdated um some of it obviously has changed and uh the timing on stuff may not be uh working anymore so just keep that in mind with everything going on in the world yeah a lot of schedules and uh you know production schedules and stuff like that will be altered and changed but anyway there's still a lot of good fun information in there a lot of uh a lot of stuff that uh, McBaron is working on, so you get to hear that. And, of course, that ties in with the sad news that, yeah, the Chicago Pipe Show has officially been uh, canceled for this year. So look forward to uh, 2021 for the Pipe Show at a uh, new location. And uh, the Raleigh Pipe Show is canceled. So, again, you know, the, the state of the world has... Uh, taken its toll on everything including the uh the pipe world um also if you're checking your uh, feed on uh your podcast feed you'll notice that we put out a bonus episode on friday and it's called uh, the the it's going to be a series of bonus episodes that we'll be doing you know for the time being come out on friday it's called food for thought a uh, different subject each week, all off the topic of uh, pipes and pipe smoking, but still just some, uh, hopefully some a show that will make you, uh, you know, make you think a little bit and maybe uh, give you something to look into. All right, that's all we got. So let's get the show rolling. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us for uh, drinking and smoking is the is again the one person that I would, if it came down to drinking and smoking, Kevin, you are the one person as my go-to because you've got more experience than anybody else. So uh, I, I'm definitely a good candidate for that. I I, I do like to imbibe, uh, but only when I'm awake. There you go, and only one drink at a... No, never mind. <laughs> Kevin Godby, welcome. Welcome back. Uh, all right, so a, a drink and a smoke pairing, and uh, what do you have for us? Well, yeah, what I did is I got some help. So we have uh, actually have input from three people. Uh, the other person would be Kyle Weiss. He is our monthly tobacco reviewer. And we've actually never said this on Pipes Magazine, but he actually he has a culinary background. He used to be a chef, and he also used to work at a tinderbox. So he has good experience and a good palate. So I'm going to start with what Kyle sent over. Then I'll give you my take, and then then you're up. Yeah, go. 
So Kyle uh, did uh, did a specific blend, GLP's Union Square, which is one that I happen to like myself as well. Here's what he said. The clean and delicate nature of the Virginias in Union Square and the slightly brined and gently peated nature of Talisker 10, that's his pairing, Talisker 10, he says, overall does a great job of making a scotch that doesn't cling to the palate, either in feel or flavor. And this really opens up the complexity of smoke that Union Square has to offer. Union Square tends to showcase each Virginia at a different stage of the bowl when smoked, and Talisker 10 in particular supports this nicely. My personal preference is to drink the Talisker 10 neat, and only after the cherry in the pipe is well established do I start taking sips from the dram. I then will puff gently and consistently, only stopping for another sip. This scotch has a bright attitude to it, and it really sings when some of the brighter Virginias in Union Square come into play. The benefit of Talisker 10 and Union Square both being readily available and not too expensive will allow for quite a few nights of enjoyment. Okay. I don't know what he means by only after the cherry in the pipe. Uh, I wonder if he's uh, I wonder if he's talking about just after the beginning of the pipe. <clears throat> yeah, maybe he means the sweet spot. Yeah. Yeah, cuz so, cuz that would make sense because Union Square does have a does have a sweet backing to it that's mm-hmm. kind of an underlying and and uh, anyway, I'm jumping ahead of you, but go ahead. Yeah, and by the way, I mean I love GLP's Union Square, but I also know uh, pairs on uh, after me, and I do love uh, several of the Mac Baron Virginias, uh, especially the number one, which is a very popular one. So my take on this is, uh, I would go more on the mild side, so a, a Pilsner or Lager beer, uh, even maybe a dry white wine, and then as far as for a mixed drink. This is actually one of uh, my girlfriend Lori's favorites, is a vodka soda. Don't groan because there's one more thing. Vodka soda with cubed fresh watermelon. Ooh. So it's crisp with a little bit of sweetness. Yeah. So, and this and this is a, uh, it's an interesting choice because Union Square, uh, you know, has a, has a, has some depth to it instead of like a traditional straight Virginia that seems to, yeah, that will be somewhat of a monotone. uh, Right. Exactly. Kind of twist to it. So I would, you know, it, I think the, I I think the interesting thing of just doing a, a Talisker single malt with it where I, I, I'm not a fan of single malts. Um, I just don't, I like I like my drinks more on the sweeter side, um, mm-hmm. and I, I haven't met a single malt that's on the sweeter side. But at, at the same time, par- you know, taking a lightly sweet tobacco against a what I would consider a non-sweet uh, uh, single malt is gonna. I mean, both of those sides are gonna come right out, and they're not. They're not gonna fight with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I don't, I wonder how it would, I'm thinking about the watermelon because <laughs> now, now it's got me peaked. Uh, yeah. What, what made me uh, come up with that is that, well, I guess it's maybe stereotypical a little bit, but Virginia's are considered kind of more of a spring summer smoke. And, and that's what this drink is really a spring summer drink, except here in Florida, that's almost all year. See, and and then I went the exact opposite way, uh, and I was thinking of something that the Virginias would kind of base under, and I and I just did a little bit of a you know, did a little bit of Google searching on this, and my and and again this goes back to my idea of pairings should be two things that you like, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily have to be. Yeah, ideally you want to you want two separate things that you like, and you want them to complement each other at the same time. And you don't want them to fight with each other, right? That yeah, that's the main thing. As long as they don't fight with each other, you're you're fine. I mean, like one one rule is you know to match the body of the drink to the smoke, but another one is you can also go for a contrasting flavor. So that's where I that's where I kind of went, and I thought you know this is uh, here's here's something that came up with is using the Talisker 10, and I'm sure there might be some people that will, 
I don't know, want to run me out of town, you know, burn me at the burn me at the stake, you know, <laughs> hit me with pitchforks or whatever. But well, that's a normal day. Yeah, <laughs> usually that's uh, usually that's every Wednesday morning. Um, I would go with a hot toddy and hmm. use the Talisker Ten as the as the whiskey. So that way you get the base. Yeah, you, know, you, you get you get the base of the honey and lemon juice, and you get the. Uh, you, you get the you know you get the heat and the warmth from it, and then you can use it as a winter smoke. Mm-hmm. But at the same yeah, like- time, you've got some spiciness from the whiskey and the cloves and the other you know the other stuff in the hot toddy that will work and complement with the light sweetness of the tobacco. Yeah, I like that. I could see that complementing very well. And yeah, hot toddy is a typically considered a winter drink. Yeah, well, for you in Florida, so that means you got two months to drink it. But yeah, you really, yeah, you know, yeah, you you really don't want to be drinking a hot toddy on a ninety degree on a ninety degree day. You, it is more, much more of a winter drink, a warm wet, uh, a warm drink, and one that I will, I I will say, I can't make one at home because I don't have the patience to make one, but. Right. But that's one where you really you really need a good bartender. Yeah. And yes. And by the way, a couple of things on that. It, it's funny. A lot of times when I'm researching things uh, regarding pipes and tobacco, I'll do some Googling and I find pipesmagazine.com. Like, <laughs> I, like I'm not going to remember in 2020 that 10 years ago in 2010, we actually published an article written by Russ Ouellette on ways to match drinks to pipe tobaccos. All right, so let's uh, let's wrap this up and recap real quick. Uh, Kyle said uh, GLP's Union Square, which is a, uh, a, a a traditional Virginia style with a little bit of depth with Talisker Ten. Uh, you, w- w- which one of your choices would you really dive into for that? Uh, probably either the uh, the mixed drink I told you about, vodka soda with cubed fresh watermelon, or Maybe a lager beer. And then I'm going to have it in a hot toddy and uh, and enjoy a Virginia tobacco during the wintertime. So there you go. There's a couple of drink pairings for you. Kevin, thank you very much. Cheers. And we'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age. What you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe. Just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes. And you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this, and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite, or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm, smoking pipes in faithful service of the hobby. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and uh, joining us again is... uh, Pear George Jensen of the McBaron Tobacco Company and formerly of the George Jensen Pipe Factory. And uh, Pear, I'm not going to say anything, but I've been keeping my eye on eBay and I might have found a thing or two. Uh, oh, that, a, another that, George Jensen or two, uh, you know, to add to my good. collection. So, uh, but That's I'm, good, Brian. Yeah. That's good. But I'm not saying anything because you might want to take it from me. But uh, uh, Pear, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. All right. So what exactly is your title at McBaron besides old pipe smoking guy? Um, I think my official title is product specialist. And, you're, and, yes. you, and you specialize in the product because you're the old pipe smoking guy. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I had it from the pipe time when uh, when I came, when I joined McBaron, uh and then have to learn all about the the tobaccos, how they do it, and and so, but it was great help. 
Yeah, so that is, I mean, that is different because when you're, when pipe, a lot of pipe makers and people in the pipe factories really don't understand what goes into the tobacco and the, and the tobacco manufacturers have no idea what it goes into to make a pipe. Exactly. Yeah. All, you know, all the tobacco people know is that you grab a pipe and you put the tobacco in it and you light it. Yep. It, it's very simple. So you, so you could call me a bridge between those two worlds. A bridge over troubled water. Yes. <laughs> oh man, trouble, trouble. That is what we had, uh, what we had last year, and and still have. Yeah. So, uh, so up, update us on what's going on in Europe with all the packaging requirements and the and the weird names that you have to use now because you can't use any flavor names and all that. Well, I'll call it bullshit. Yeah. Uh, how, how how many hours do 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 I have? Well, if I start snoring, just scream real oh, loud. Okay. Okay, I'll I'll do it. No, uh, it's called the to Tobacco Directive Two, um, and the first part of it was uh, words like mild, uh, pleasant, enjoyable. Uh, marketing language was not allowed to use on tobacco products, and we were not allowed to use names that described a taste. For instance, the vanilla loose cut changed the name in Europe into Classic Loose Cut. <laughs> and I don't know if, if, if you can imagine how many people we, uh, we confused. <laughs> because Even the people they, they, they work could, there. Yeah, they could recognize the color of the tin, but, but the name was not right. And, and we got a lot of complaints, and, and, and the only thing we could, could answer was, well, it's not our decision. It is the law in Europe. So that was the first part. The second part, which started the 20th of May last year, uh, that's a big one. That is called Track and Trace. So to fight the smugglers, the European Parliament decided that all the tobacco manufacturers, uh, first line, it was cigarettes and fine cut should print an individual number on a pouch. Mm -hmm. it's, it's something like a license plate on, on a car. So you can recognize uh, the pouch uh, where it's made. They can track it all the way down to, to us. Uh, and no, we made this. So we, we had to start this within one year from the decision was made. Wow. And that means there was no hardware companies, there were no software companies that was ready with a solution. So we just have to grab the ones we thought was best and work with them. Uh, and I promise you, our production went, uh, if we say a normal production is 100, uh, for weeks we were down at 10%. That was all we could get out because of this uh, track and trace. So each pouch now gets a number, an individual number. Then we pack it into an outer. And an outer is a new unit, of course, that needs a new number. The outer goes into a shipping box. That's a new unit, a new number. Oh, so no. if, they, if they scan the shipping box, it unfolds in which outers is in this box, and which pouches. So the shipping carton goes on a pallet. Again, a new unit. So we need a new number. Then we take 30 pallets, put it on a truck. The truck is a new unit. It needs a number as well. <laughs> and, can, and can you imagine that this row of things we have to do and has to be proper. There's no room for mistakes. Do you know how many mistakes can occur due to a hardware problem or due to a software problem? <laughs> All of them? I, I tell you, if that this was uh, 1969 and we were bound to land on the moon, if we had a little bit luck, we would land on the sun. <laughs> uh, 
and now we are nine months into this, um, and and we are up to to sixty seventy percent uh, production. Wow! Now is this, been, is is this just for the product that is going to be sold in the European Union? Nope, it's everything we make from fine cut uh, products. Meaning, if we are sending a pouch or a shipment to Japan, all the pouches in there has to have a European tracking number. Even though it's going from Svenborg to a boat that's leaving the continent and never coming back? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Um, and now other countries outside the European Union think this is a very good idea. So the Russians are starting up now with their invention of a tracking trace. So all pouches going to Russia has to have two numbers. One for, one for leaving. Yeah. One for Europe and one for Russia. Yeah. And all this is made to fight uh, the smuggling. Unfortunately, the politicians didn't make the agreements with the smugglers as well. <laughs> so it's not going to have any effect. But it's it's a huge apparatus that we have started. And um, I will not say it had killed us, but, but uh, it had taken some powers out of us. And and when you, say, when you say fine cut, that that's the cigarette tobacco. Is this affecting pipe tobacco too? Yeah, um, not now, but in two thousand and twenty-four, this system is going to be implemented in the European Union for pipes and cigars as well. Uh, sorry, pipe tobacco and cigars. So, in. 2024, when, when you are buying a, a tin of McBaron in in United States, you'll see this uh, this small number, tracking number, on each tin. And it and it literally, I've seen them, and it just looks like it's a it's a nine, ten, twelve digit number printed into a little black space on the package, yeah. and out it goes. And well, I'm glad they're. I'm glad they're keeping an eye on it. Uh, do they have people that actually check the numbers, or can the smugglers just print their own funny numbers and off they go? Well, uh, I could imagine if somebody wants to, to, to make a product that looks legit and, and you want to smuggle it, uh, you just copy a code. <laughs> then when yeah. you look at it, 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 it looks legal. But when you scan it, it's not legal at all. But but uh, that's supposedly what what is going to happen. So now let, let's go back to the go back to the flavor names and the and the marketing stuff. Uh, if you come out with a new tobacco, are you allowed to communicate to the tobacconist or the distributor what the flavors are or what the experience might be? Fortunately, yes. Uh, we are able to inform uh, importers. We are allowed to talk to shopkeepers, but it ends there. We are not allowed to talk to, to consumers. So that means that a website like Tobacco Reviews <coughs> or the forums on Pipes Magazine become important because that's where information can be. A, a consumer can say what it tastes like. But you can't. We we can't. Us who, who are making uh, the tobacco are not allowed to tell anybody what's in it. We can tell about which tobaccos, but not taste. That's that's forbidden. I, I, I don't know what, what, what they think, that we're going to the kindergarten and, and try getting new pipe smokers. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's so... In in my world, it's it's uh, it's it's hard to think that this would will help, except of of course creating a lot of new jobs. 
and possibly shutting down some companies because they can't comply or get their product out to market and get people to understand what the experience is going to be. Yep. And I know what it has taken us to, to get where we are today and uh, which investments we have made. So I could fear for some of the, uh, the, the smaller companies that they don't have um, the capacity uh, money-wise to, to do it. So I will say, uh, as I've always said, um, if you can afford to, stock up on tobacco now because it's never going to be any cheaper than it is and it's never going to be any more readily available than it is right now. And you're so right. And, and, and what, what, what they have done with this, uh, Brian, that, and that's actually the, the worst part of it. Uh, they are shrinking uh, the supply of different tobaccos. And, and then we start talking into big companies' way of thinking. If we were alone or only with a few competitors, then everything would be much better for us. Yeah. But that is not how the, that's not how the pipe, uh, pipe world works. We like to, to, to go shopping uh, one day, Latakia, then we go for uh, Virginia Perique, uh, then we go for an aromatic, uh, but we have the choice. Uh, and I think that will be a little bit smaller in the future. It's kind of like telling all the, uh, all the whiskey companies in Scotland that you have to manufacture all the same way, and then you only have one or two whiskeys left. Yeah. Well, on that note, <laughs> we will take a break and then we'll come back and find out uh, what's coming up from McBaron, what Pear is up to, what we can see coming in the future, and uh, more with uh, Pear Jensen. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, We've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at C&D, as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell & Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with uh, Per Jensen, um, old product specialist, pipe smoking guy of the McBaron Tobacco Company. And Per, uh, you're a friend of mine, so I apologize for that. Um, uh, so, all right, so we 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 know that um, you know the the European Union is going crazy with all this marketing stuff and with the track and trace. We've got the FDA issues here in the United States, which you know, has our has our own problems. Um, but uh, for the for the entire world, uh, what do you got going on? What are you What are you doing that's new? Anything exciting coming out? Because I think there is. I'm pretty sure there is. Well, I have one thing I have been been bursting to 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 talk about it. Uh, but so far, uh, we were not ready. But uh, we are now. Um, and it's going. Uh, what what we are playing with at the moment is a new tobacco under the HH line. And you know, in former times, uh, when we made new tobaccos, you could uh, change in the percentage of Virginia, Orientals, Dark Fired Kentucky, and so on. But now, we're going to make a complete new game because we are going to include a tobacco that after my knowledge, has not been used in pipe tobacco for centuries. And it's actually a tobacco brine that, that comes out of your backyard. 
I'm looking out there right now. I've got some green stuff, but I'm not sure what you're talking about. Uh, well, perhaps you'll have to go a little bit north to, um, to Jamestown, Virginia. Oh, okay. Uh, where, where we had the Englishmen and the first colony and, and, and so on. Um, and they, they wanted to ship things back to, to London to make money. It was a private enterprise, so they had to, to make money. But they didn't find anything. And, and they tried to ship uh, the tobacco to London. But nobody wants that. Uh, because that type of tobacco was uh, Nicotiana Rustica. And that uh, that's a North American species of in the same family as the tobacco as we are smoking today. But it's very, I would say, very potent in, in, uh, in the nicotine. Um, and, and people didn't like that at, at that time because they had what they called the Spanish tobacco. And that was uh, Nicotiana tobacco coming out of the Caribbean. It was thinner in the leaves, it burned better, it has not that much nicotine. Um, so everyone preferred uh, the, the tobacco from there. And that changed with uh, John Rolfe when, when he entered uh, Jamestown in, I think it was 1610. Uh, and the first crop of, of his new Spanish tobacco seeds grown in, in Jamestown went to London and was a huge success. So now we are going back into history and say, well, the tobacco they had, why not make a pipe tobacco out of that, where it's it's a part of, of a blend? And that is what we have done. All right, so when, and, uh, wait, 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 hold on, hold on a second. Did you get in? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm... I'm Getting too excited. Yeah, you're too excited. Um, did you get in a time machine and go back 400 years and get the tobacco, or did you find somebody that would grow it for you? That is the most fantastic part of it. Uh, a year and a half ago, uh, McBaron also started to produce chewing bags. Yeah. That means... Um, rough-cut tobacco in a bag that, that you use oral. Uh, and to get as much effect as possible, uh, this kind of tobacco was and has been used by, for instance, companies like Swedish Match for their snooze uh, for decades. So the tobacco was there. And when we started at um, making chew bags, I started thinking, why don't we make a tobacco where it is a part of that? And then we started. And it has been a very long way, but it has been a, a very funny way. Because we were going into, uh, into new fields. We didn't know what to expect. Uh, and then when we started to, to hot press the thing, it, it became even, uh, even better. Wow. And... And they, there is a slight difference from what um, the English uh, found in, in Jamestown and, and the one we are using today. Because the one we are using today is sun-cured. And that means that leaves a little bit natural sugar in the tobacco. And that's probably the reason why we can use it for pipe tobacco. But it's a very potent tobacco. It's... Um, I, th I think the word you would use uh, is um, it's very you get very satisfied when you smoke it. I think that's polite, politely put. Uh, I tried it on on, on different uh, pipe smokers, and 50% they love it. Even had words that that it's more in the English direction, and the other 50% um, they, they feel like they were drinking uh, six snaps. <laughs> so, so, it, so it just depends on on which side of that you fall on, but uh, you may fall over or you may fall in love with it. Yes. Wow. Exactly. So, um, and that, that will be uh, something completely new because now we are not, not just working with the old-fashioned tobaccos. Now we are going into a complete new field and, and pulling a new tobacco inside. 
And and like a, a perfect marketing person now stuck in the new uh, in the new rules, you can't discuss any flavor experiences, but you can discuss the. It, it'll be a very satisfying tobacco that uh, should smoke uh, cool and strong, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, well, it's under the HH uh, hat, so there's no top flavor, and there's only a minimum of casing. So what you're what you're tasting is is the tobacco itself. But again, now we have a new player, we have a new tobacco in in this blend. That that alters the taste uh, uh, a little bit. I must say uh, it's it's um, it's it's a strong tobacco. It's not uh, an all day tobacco for me, but but I like to sit down and and uh, smoke a pipe of it. So it might be the it might be the. Uh perfect for the last pipe of the day yeah I, I would prefer to make it the first pipe in the morning then you wake up well hi right. i'm sorry you are danish yeah i'm, I'm danish yes two <laughs> cup of coffee and uh, a pipe full of this then you are awake and the and the danes who are famous for their breakfast bitters and yeah, getting having a little uh, having a little drink before breakfast is yeah okay. So now you can have a pipeful instead. Yes, and the and the police won't smell the alcohol on you. No, and as as one of the test uh, one of the test persons said, well, it's it's actually I I, I feel high and it's legal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and since the, uh, also recently, uh, McBaron purchased the pipe tobacco brands of Planta. Yes. Uh, yeah, and, and and there we have um, there we have have the story because half of their volume what they were producing were fine cut, uh, but the volume was too small to go into this track and trace business so uh, they could cut it off uh, um, which would have made the company um, or left the company in a very hard position so, so they made an active choice they they decide to sell and and yet yes we uh, we purchased it um, yeah and they have a line of, of, uh, of tobaccos as well uh, I think that the most famous in uh, in the U.S. at least is the Holger Danske, and we have the Presbyterian. Yep. So the, there's two blends that might have uh, fallen under the uh, fallen to their death under the new regulations, but McBaron came in to save them. Yes, you you can uh, you can uh, put it like that. You you swooped in with bags of Danish kroner and gave it to the Germans and saved those tobaccos. Yes, and uh, uh, the factory in Berlin has been closed down, and everybody uh, everything has been made in um, in Svinborg uh, at McBaron. And included in that is all the track and trace stuff too. Yeah, all the fine cut. Uh, this the same. Well, uh, we had the problem with with our own products, um, and then and the planter, the former planter products, uh, didn't make the problem bigger. <laughs> so, it it was it was actually uh, for them and for us, it was a win win situation. And then you're, the other thing you're doing is you you've now got a uh, you've got a smaller uh, YouTube channel and Instagram that you're that you're starting up and kind of putting some uh, putting some effort into. Yeah, but it's it's uh, the YouTube channel. It's um, it's a small project I have uh, decided to do uh, in my spare time, um, trying to 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 tell my side of the the tobacco st uh, history as i know it uh, all the tricks and and uh, i have learned over the years um, and make small videos that's one part of it the other part is i'm fascinating of of, uh, of video uh, filming 
and uh, cutting the films together, and, and I, I find that's quite an amusement. But as I said, it's it's um, it's in my spare time, so it's it's not a channel with twenty videos, at least not at this time. Probably will come one day, um, but it makes fun, and that's uh, that's why I do it. So it's more of a wintertime project when you can't get out into the garden in the in the spring and summer and work outside. You now you can work on these in the uh, in your off hours, or at least I have to be sitting in the shadow with a cold beer. Then perhaps, but but you're right. It's it's more like a, a winter project, and so. Um, and and it's, it's not it's not an official McBaron uh, channel. It's it's my own private. Uh, even though I have been allowed to use the facilities in in Svendborg to to make it a little bit more interesting, uh, but it, it's my personal. And it can't be official, McBaron, because you might say something that would violate the uh, the European Union. Yeah, but even even at that point, I am working for a tobacco company. That means even in my spare time. I'm not allowed to promote products or tell uh, tell everybody about taste or anything like that. Wow! I'm under the same law, so um, so much for freedom to speech. So when you when you come here in a couple of weeks for the Chicago Pipe Show, you're not allowed to say what the top note or what the flavor might be of one of your blends while you're standing there in front of somebody. Nope, I'm not allowed. Uh, well, I'm in, in the U.S. at that time, so uh, it's always uh, a matter that can uh, can be discussed. Um, but but doing it in 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 something uh, that we send out of Denmark, that's forbidden. Hmm. All right, and let's go back to some good news because since you were last on, we had the introduction or the reintroduction of the other flavors of uh, or the other blends of three nuns. Which is, uh, can you just describe what the what the three what the contents of the three are? Because I don't want you to talk about the taste or the flavor behind them. But uh, we haven't had John since then. <laughs> no, but uh, it's it's. Um so we say the red three nuns, that the one that have been on the market for for ages. Um, there was a line of discussions uh, whether there should be perig in it or not. Uh, so I made the decision and say, well, okay, I'm going to make two new three nuns. Not from the old recipe because nobody knew that, uh, but to give an alternative. So the green three nuns is uh, a Virginia Perique with a little bit of dark fired Kentucky. And the yellow one is 100% Virginia tobacco. So there and you again, go. They are made, they are made under say, the English purity law, which means it has a minimum of, um, of casing. Because there was only a few things that the English were allowed to use. And we lived after those uh, rules when we made them. And also you've introduced some new Amphora blends. That yes. I, yes uh, you got, you got so many different colors of Amphora now, I can't keep track of them. No, but you have, you have to, um, to remember. Uh, in Canada, we have seen uh, flavor bands. Uh, and politician doesn't uh, look at the difference between fine cut or cigarettes or whatever. If they are talking flavor ban, it's for everything. Um, and I just wanted to make us ready if a flavor ban uh, someday should be the law. So the new Amphoras that's coming, the Virginia, uh, the Kentucky, uh, also the, uh, the English and the Burley, um, has no top flavor, has no f added flavoring. So it's actually to be standing there and say, well, we have an alternative if the flavor bank comes. And they're all mm. in the 50 gram pouches, all with the track and trace on them. Uh, no track and trace. 
With that, you have to wait until 2024. Okay, good. And then, then I promise you, you get you get Dragon Trees. <laughs> then, then you will have a whole nother headache for uh, for your factory to deal with because of all the different uh, the different mixtures of amphora. Yes. Yep. Pair, we will not uh, torture you with the fast five final questions, except to tell people uh, find you on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Yeah, and and perhaps you could be so nice, Brian, if anybody would love to see uh, my YouTube channel, for instance, that you write. It's actually my name, Pierre George Jensen. P-E-R-G-E-O-R-G, no E, Jensen. Exactly. J-E-N-S-E-N. Yeah. Or uh, I can, I'm going to try it in Danish. Are you ready? Yeah. Peer Gerg Jensen. Ah, man, you're good. You are good. That and I can order chicken now, so I've learned that. Yes. Yep. Exactly. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. You never know what you get, Brian. (laughs) (laughs) As long as it tastes like chicken, I'm fine. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Good. Okay. Thank you. And thank you for, for inviting me to, to, to join your program. It has been a pleasure. Per, it's always fun hanging out with you. It's always fun talking to you. Um, you're much better looking on radio, and that makes two of us. So, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> thanks again, and we'll be back in just a minute. A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And like you, there can only be one Savinelli. This is Internet Radio. And we are back. Uh, and again, remember, the, uh, the the visit with Pear was recorded about a month ago, and, you know, things have changed since then. So just please take that all with a uh, with a grain of salt. And make sure make sure and follow uh, Pear on YouTube, Instagram, and uh, all, those, all those places. All right, for music, um, fun, happy mood. Fun, happy mood for music. So, Louis Armstrong doing the Disney song, Bare Necessities. Look for the necessities, simple bare necessities, forget about your worries and your strivings, I mean the bare necessities, mother nature's recipes, bring the bare necessities of life, wherever I wander, wherever I roam, I couldn't be found of my big home. The bees are buzzing in the tree to make some honey just for me. You look under the rocks and plants and take a glance at the fancy ants, then maybe try a few. The bare necessities of life will come to you. Look for bare necessities, simple bare necessities, forget about your worries and your strife, I mean the bare necessities, that's why a bear can rest at ease with just bare necessities of life, so just relax, yeah, in my backyard, if you act like that V-Act, you're working too hard. Don't spend your time just looking around for something you want can be found. You'll find out you can live without it and go along not thinking about it. It tells you something true. The bare necessities of life will come to you. 
Uh, Louis Armstrong, uh, the occasional pipe smoker in his days. Um, off the album Disney Songs, The Satchmo Way. Tuesday, Monday, you've got mail. Tuesday, Wednesday, you've got mail. Thursday, Friday, you've got mail. Speaking of the mailbag, um, iTunes rating and review. If you're on iTunes and uh, if you get a chance, please go to the Pipes Magazine Radio Show page or Pipes Magazine Radio Show on Apple Podcast, whatever they're calling it now, and leave us a rating or review. That would be absolutely wonderful. Uh, and then uh, if you have a comment or a question, you can post it on pipesmagazine.com on the Pipes Magazine radio show page, or you can email me directly, brian, B-R-I-A-N, at pipesmagazine.com. Or for travel-related stuff, brian.levine at mei-travel.com. And uh, going back to last week's show, uh, last week's Pipes Magazine radio show with uh, Phil Morgan, Dino says, great conversation with Phil, and I really enjoyed Phil's favorite story of smoking his new Lee Von Erich pipe while Lee smoked a Missouri Meerschaum gift from Phil. As for old Missouri Meerschaum cobs, I showed Phil a pipe I've owned and smoked since the late 1960s at the Chicago show a few years ago. He even took a picture of it. It was in uh, regular rotation back in the day. I smoked it at least a few times a year. It's a little beat up on the rim, but still a great smoke. I hope everyone enjoyed Yo-Yo Ma playing Bach as much as I did. How can one not? Thanks again for a fun show and stay well, Dino. Uh, yeah, so there, Dino's had a Missouri Meerschaum corn cob for 50 plus years, something like that. <laughs> so nice, nice long lasting pipes. And then on the counterpoint is uh, Dan, the KC ghost, uh, and he says, really enjoyed the show. The pipe parts segment was interesting, if a little confusing. I just put the tins up as I get them. Screwing around with mason jars is just a pain. And let me pause right there, and I will say yes to uh, Dan. Screwing around with mason jars is a bit of a pain, but when you're buying tobacco in bulk, like a 5100 or any tobacco that you're buying that's not in a tin... Well, the mason jar is the way to go if you're going to age it. And, uh, and again, I'm, uh, I just finished up smoking that, uh, that jar of 5100 that I had packed really tight. And let me say, it, it's been going really good. Sorry, I can't get any more. Anyway, uh, Dan continues with, uh, Phil, Patton family are just fine people to be associated with. I even smoke a Missouri Meerschaum pipe several times a year in honor of them. I'm amazed at how much innovation they have introduced to as tired a concept as the Missouri Meerschaum is. Uh, then Dan says, Yo-Yo Ma didn't do it for me. He sounded like a guy playing a cello with a dull saw. <laughs> well, it was just a home recording of his. Uh, and then Dillagas says, Always enjoy hearing from Phil. Thank you for the great interview. I've never decided on my Desert Island tobacco, uh, but I know what my Desert Island pipe is. If the ship is going down and I have one chance to grab a pipe before jumping into the lifeboat, I'm taking my Missouri Meerschaum legend. Boy, there you go. <laughs> that's, a, that's an endorsement if I haven't ever heard one. And again, remember, comments or questions, you can email them to me directly, brian at pipesmagazine.com, or you can uh, post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page. If I do miss them and you want them on the show, shoot them again. Uh, I know there's several ways and I get lost between some of the social medias and stuff. Uh, in fact, follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm ignoring Twitter for now. Uh, Twitter's full of angry people. And, and again, with the bonus, uh, with the bonus shows that we're doing, uh, it's just called Food for Thought. We've got uh, this coming up this Friday is uh, John Ferraro, pipe smoker and uh, world-renowned professional drummer, talking about playing drums. We've got some uh, discussions coming up about uh, how to homebrew, uh, hockey, uh, what it's like to be a judge. So we got we got some interesting stuff, and again, it's just extra, yeah, extra entertainment, and uh, maybe it will stimulate a little thought in the side of your head. 
uh, inside your head, not in the side of your head. And if you have any comments or suggestions for the show, maybe a guest you would like to see, or if you have a Ask the Pipe Maker segment or question for Jeff Grasick, the pipe maker, send those in to me now. Get them in as soon as you can because we're going to be recording some more of those shortly. All right, uh, in just a few moments, a rave. There's nothing quite like a good book, or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. say three cheers for almond milk yeah three cheers for almond milk and, and here's the background behind why i am giving three cheers to almond milk uh in 1984 i developed uh, i became lactose intolerant and thus lost the ability to uh to really drink milk and then be happy afterwards uh it affected ice cream and uh, yogurt does not uh, or has not bothered me really with a lot of cheese but again you know it's, it's a dairy issue the amount of lactose in whatever it was would bother me and up until 1984 i was a daily bowl of cereal eater drinker whatever you want to call it daily and then uh, shortly after that i tried uh, mocha mix for you old people you'll remember mocha mix the uh, non-dairy creamer thing and i tried that and that was just the, it was okay for a couple of years and then well it's not good for you so uh, not too good for you to drink like cereal so anyway under the current circumstances i had always had in the back of my head to try almond milk and to see how it would work on me and i never wanted to try it because i didn't want to lose a day or two if it bothered me if maybe if it was the calcium in it that would bother me or whatever it was that I was worried about uh, in the current state of the world uh, we went shopping and found some almond milk because the regular milk was in short supply I said all right let's give it a try and guess what I am happier than a pig in shit because I am back and having my bowls of cereal every morning you know how long it's been it's literally been since 19 and then maybe the late 1980s since I've had a bowl of cereal and now i'm having my bowls of grape nuts and uh and uh, and raisin bran every morning and you know in every cloud this is a very small silver lining but i get to have cereal again so hooray for uh, grape nuts and uh, almond milk and you know what i'm <laughs> i'm it, again it just makes me happy that i can have that and cut up a banana and put it on my cereal and maybe some yeah. Oh. It, anyway, um, it's good. Now I'm now I'm I'm thinking I might have a second bowl of cereal. All right. Uh, listen, if you have any uh, suggestions of drink pairings that you would like to hear, let me know. Email me Brian at pipesmagazine.com. Uh, any suggestions? You let me know. We'll keep the show going for you. Keep an eye out this Friday for the uh, next uh, for the next uh, food for thought bonus show. And we'll have a brand new show of the Pipes Magazine radio show next Tuesday. Because Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. I got nothing else to do, so I'll be there. Um, yeah, quick uh, quick little travel tip, because I forgot to put this in the mailbag where it was supposed to be. Uh, if you're going out of town for a while, most local police departments have a, have a way for you to notify them of your travel. And that way they can... Uh, keep an eye on your house and know who's supposed to be there and who's not supposed to be there. So check out your local police department. And if you're traveling anywhere for a couple of days or more, go online, fill out that form and let them know that you will be traveling. And there's, it depends on each police department, what all the questions they ask. But again, just another little safety thing for you while you're traveling. All right. Uh, thank you to uh, Kevin Godby for making me want to drink before doing the show. Thank you to Perry Jensen for joining me. 
Thank you all for tuning in, and until next time. Clouds when we're together. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy fish balls coming right out I'll hurry it up all right all I've had today is like six gummy bears and some scotch got in him <laughs>